0: I'm going to talk about one historic site in particular. Um, Earl mentioned the Cameron family. He also held an artifact in his hands to, that helps us to, to touch heart with these historical moments. Well, there's another artifact that's actually a whole historic site, it's an artifact you can walk through and be immersed in, and that's historic Stagville um, in Durham County. I have a very personal connection. I'm a descendant of people who survived enslavement um, at Stagville, And so for me, and for my daughter, for my family, it is a sacred place where not only we can take time to appropriately grieve and mourn the idea that people who we are connected to through, through blood and marrow were treated as objects owned as property it's important for us to take time to mourn that but also to celebrate that in the face of that our people were able to create family cultural traditions to retain African traditions to actually create worship foundations of what became churches to act to create a familial and a humane um, existence
1: in the face of an inhumane Condition and I want to challenge that a little bit because mm-hmm. this idea that we were able to have families then and worship freely and that, that wasn't It was happening. not free. No worship had to be done clandestinely um, there
0: and there were um, Negotiations that certain elders within the community at Stackville, Very in a very savvy and wise way. They negotiated with the slave owners to be able to craft spaces for worship Families being able to stay together was also a negotiation and had to be very
1: strategic and very thoughtful So none of this was attained easily and it's a very complex history because because if you look at the black experience uh, during slavery during Jim Crow There can be a tendency to to boil it all down to one single kind of experience Well slavery was this way and Jim Crow operated that way and segregation um, Was this, some people would say, hey, things were better during segregation because we had our own um, businesses and entities, and yet um, it was a time of oppression. Absolutely.
2: Yes. You know, in a time of president, you talk about Durham, and if we talk about Durham and we talk about Stagville, but then let's talk about Durham and Black Wall Street, and let's talk about the um, institutions North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Company, Mechanics and Farmers Bank, North Carolina Mutual, I mean, uh, Mutual uh, Insurance Savings Bank. So, those things that came out of those uh, revolts. even the people with the Wilmington thing that we talked about yes. that, that ended up in Durham and we started Black Wall Street. So then there was a financial institution, there was an economic um, ventures that came out of slavery. So I don't think that it all has
1: to be a negative thing that when we talk about it. And I wanted you to unpack that a little bit because you referenced Wilmington and Black
3: Wall Street. Well, as as we noted earlier in our conversation, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, was our largest city in the state, and it was majority black, multi-generational, professional, business class, educated, and uh, was probably one of the premier cities in America, and particularly in the south, uh, uh, outside of New Orleans and Charleston. And uh, that genius was not destroyed in the coup d'etat in 1898. A lot of those families and those people picked up and moved inland into Durham. And in fact, we found evidence that the 1898 Republican Convention was sponsored by Ben Duke in Durham County. Uh, so these types of historical facts help us to understand uh, that collective genius that was transformed from these, as Michelle mentioned, the Ashanti and the Ivo people who were part of these magnificent empires in Africa of Mali, Ghana, and Songhai that existed uh, with the premier university in the world at the time slave trading uh, ensued in the 1500s and the 1600s. That genius was not destroyed. It was translated from Africa to America and primarily to North and South Carolina and Georgia and Virginia.
1: And so when we have these celebrations, it's so important, as you said, and as you're talking about to to go back um, beyond uh, Plymouth Rock, so to speak right <laughs> and because um that that history begins before, and a lot of the traditions that we celebrate and that we continue today come from uh, South Carolina before South Carolina, the Caribbean et cetera, the globe right and I see
0: the woodwork that was done, and you can actually see the handwork that's brilliance, that is architecture that is m- a mathematic mind, that is engineering. Someone who understands that frying a protein, whether it be fish or chicken, preserves that that chicken so that it, it will not rot, that is brilliance. That is food preservation. That is a kind of brilliance that has sustained us. It has sustained our people when we could not stop, when traveling across the country, we could not stop at filling stations or restaurants. The matriarchs and patriarchs of our family understood that you could take a shoebox and you could fill it with wax paper and you could put preserved items that would last and you would not get sick eating that food. It would sustain you and it would nourish you. That is brilliant. That is, as Phyllis
1: says, in spite of. And Phyllis, I wanted to bring you in to talk about um, our framing of Black History when it begins, and it, it it continues though.
2: And it continues. Black History did not stop in 1965. So many times when when there's a discussion about about Black History, it's 1950 and before. This. Uh, here at Spectacular Magazine, we chose to uh, celebrate black history in the making. Let's talk about young people that are doing wonderful things. Let's talk about the Bree Newsoms of the world. Let's talk about, there's a, um, an artist named Stephen uh, Graham who is in Oxford who has made uh, a full exhibit of, of uh, statues of slaves. It is awesome. Um, we, let's talk about people like Desmere Gatewood, who is now leading um, a lot of the Black Lives Matter efforts here in North Carolina.
3: And, and I'll remind people, a good example is every time you ride on Interstate 85, that corridor was originally a turnpike created in 1847 as a North Carolina railroad. Built by enslaved laborers who, and uh, here's a genius, in 1847 and 1848, from uh, Greensboro across uh, to High Point and back toward Durham. in one year's time railroad track was built to coincide with the building of the Fairville and Western Plank Road to meet at the exact same time in one year at the highest elevation in Guilford County that was later, later named High Point.
1: This is what we were, were bedded in, this is what our foundation is as, as, as a black people, even from the time of Africa.
3: Building and planting, and, and we are the primary arbiters of establishing this civilization. And I think we need to understand, even as enslaved people, what we contributed to this civilization that we enjoy as the world's top civilization.
1: It really is about changing that narrative and also the language that's used in that narrative. I love that you um, have a new term for, for slaves, formerly enslaved people. Talk about some of those, those newer terms that we can use to talk about our history. So one
0: term that I ha- have been trying to get out there into the ether is freedom seeker. Freedom seeker is a phrase that I have learned from the National Park Service's Network to Freedom program which typically commemorates Underground Railroad history.